Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950 KJR. All right, one of the things you know, people say to me from time to time, you know, do you miss being on the radio all the time? And, I, and I'm back now for an extended stretch as Puck's co-host, which I did not know was going to include Puck going on vacation in the second week we're doing it. Uh, but I say, you know, do you miss that? And, and there are days, certainly, I mean, I, there are days that I miss and there are things that I miss. One of the things I miss uh, is talking to our next guest on a regular basis. And we still talk occasionally and we harass each other via text and, uh, and Twitter. Uh, but it's always fun. Uh, to welcome into the show America's preeminent rock and roll football writer and a guy who's been gracing our airwaves up here for, I think, over 20 years now. Now with the NFL Network and currently harassing people on Twitter, it's Mike Silver. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Gas. I'm only gracing the airwaves because you're back. Let's make it clear. So, uh, you know, we're a package deal at this point. It, it's true. And the last time I think you and I crossed paths, was a, a somewhat legendary night, and in, in, we were sitting outside at a cafe in downtown Seattle, you, me, and, and Graz, and people were literally opening their hotel windows and asking us to please shut up because we were so loud. I don't recall. I yeah. do not recall. I, I understand. I, I, think it, I, think we, I think they probably were justified, but if you think that's the first time that people have yelled at me in, from hotel <laughs> windows, then... <laughs> I once, uh, one, once Jeff Darlington and I uh, at the Combine got in very, very late, uh, p- possibly early morning in some people's eyes, and I was telling a, a really loud, emphatic story, and there was a loud bang on the door from the next room, and I, for once, actually shut up, and he went home, and the next morning I had to get up early and do something, do a TV thing, and I was walking out, and the door of that room opened, and putting out his room service tray was John Gruden, who just gave me one of the one of the greatest looks ever. So I, I call him Harvey Wallbanger, and uh, here we are. And John Gruden has circled back into, uh, fr- actually out of the world you're currently in, which is the broadcast world, and back onto the football world. I'll, I'll ask you more about that in a second, but I want to back up and just say, you, you clearly enjoy it. You're on a lot, and you're and you're talking NFL now year round. But since you and I last talked on the radio, you have kind of changed your gig, and you're with the NFL Network. It's an immersion unlike anything else. There's certainly, I mean, to me, I, I I said last week, there's times when I want pro football. It's like an annoying relative. I want him to go away for a little while and leave me alone. But the NFL doesn't do that anymore, and and there are people that thirst for the coverage, Mike. And I mean, they want it all the time. What's uh, what's it been like at the NFL Network, and what's it been like immersing yourself more than you already were into this sport? Well, really, I had I was pretty much all NFL anyway. You know, late late SI and Yahoo. I, that's basically what I was doing. So, uh, honestly, that part hasn't changed that much. Our off season is has moments of intensity, which you know the schedule release, the unveiling of the sacred scrolls is coming up. Uh, the draft, obviously, we go heavy, but um, but really, it's uh, it's similar to my previous lifestyle. But I do like, you know, it, it is a good kick in the butt to do something new, get out of your comfort zone. TV's been really fun. The the vibe has been incredible. Uh, just there were a lot of players who worked there that I happen to have had really good relationships with when I covered them, but. Uh, you know, I've, I've felt like part of a team more than ever before. And, you know, writing is hard. I, I still do it. I'm about to do it after we get off the phone. I'm working on a big Josh Rosen story for NFL.com. But, um, you know, it's good to mix it up. 
Yeah, writing hard, broadcast easy. I've always admitted that. Or easier, hey, I should say. Hey, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm just saying writing is hard. I, I got more broadcasting under my belt than you, and I'll say it's easy. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not going to. If you think I'm going to argue with you on your radio show, <laughs> you're mistaken, sir. Mike Silver from the NFL Network with us. Big story up here for the Seahawks right now. I mean, obviously the draft is coming in, but more than that is what is going to happen with Earl Thomas. There, there's, there's kind of two thoughts up here. One is, it's, it, given everything that's already happened, it's time to blow it up. It's, and, and, and included in that is, let's move Earl Thomas, let's get something, and let's continue this rebuild. The other thought, which I kind of fall into this camp, is, look, this was a 9-7 and team last year with a good kicker there in the playoffs. They won some of those games without a lot of the guys who were already gone. If I'm the Seahawks, I do everything I can to keep Earl Thomas. What do you think they should do, and what are you hearing about what they're going to do with him as they get closer to the draft? Well, first of all, first of all, shout out to all the people up there who reacted angrily or mockingly when I wrote in December that they were going to do everything they've done to this point, including try to trade Earl Thomas. So <laughs> uh, I've kind of seen this coming, and I'm not happy about it because this Seahawks team, you know, during the Carol Schneider era has been one of the, the joys to cover. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm not, I don't root for teams, but, I, you know, I am a fan of what they've done. I love the culture. I, I love the way they play. And uh, it, it sucks that they're going through what John Schneider calls a transition, but most people would call, you know, a, a pretty extreme home makeover. And, uh, you know, already – Bennett and Sherman are gone. Um, you know, Averill and, and Cam may not play again. If they do, it may not be there. So that's a lot. And if you add Earl to that, that is a lot. Uh, they believe, though, that uh, they can find young players that, you know, maybe aren't the marquee names uh, in the draft and uh, specific to Pete's coaching style, coach him up and, and build something new and build it around Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And that's not a crazy thought, but, you know, I, I would, if I were with John Schneider right now, I would probably make a plea to try to keep up to keep Earl Thomas. Basically, I just don't know that you could find another one because I've only seen one ever. Uh, he, I mean, I've never seen a safety with that kind of range. Uh, the playmaking is exceptional, and uh, you know it, it is. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that uh, you know he's he's no longer going to be able to do those things. But you know, John and Pete understand football a lot better than I do, and and I understand the case for pulling the scab and doing it all at once. You know, you also could say though, as you rebuild what whatever the new defense is going to look like, and whatever you know, you know the, the personality it's going to have. And you mentioned Wagner, who's a, who's a great guy for this role, but. Have an Earl and have it gives you a couple of bridge guys that that you talked about the culture. It's going to be different, obviously, with Sherman, particularly with Sherman gone, and also Bennett. They were big, loud presences, and and they kind of defined what this defense was. But I, I think you kind of want some holdovers. And, that, that's and, why I'd love him. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. Good point. A, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I. You know. I. I think. Uh, you know, we saw some of the tension boil over, and, and, you know, this is not unique to teams that are proud and have high expectations and suffer bad losses. But after that brutal game against the Rams, uh, you know, you saw uh, Earl and Bobby have their thing with a, a quote and then a tweet. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to overstate that. That happens, especially in those contexts. But, uh, you know, maybe there is a case to be made that, 
that you know you're not going to have two leaders uh, co-leading and they're going to pick one. And, and again, I, I just you know if you could convince me that you could find another Earl Thomas, even with the first overall pick in any draft, then I, I'd probably be more down with the idea that. Uh, you could get rid of them. Now, the other part of this is, is the money thing. And, uh, you know, one of the things I wrote about in December with Earl was that they, the Seahawks foresaw a contentious contract situation. Uh, in other words, Earl did not, uh, in their mind, want to come back and play for uh, the money he did receive in the final year. So, therefore, uh, they're looking at having to commit to him long term and, and give him a new deal. Or, I guess, theoretically put a one-year band-aid on it and just try to give them some money uh, just for this year, some extra money, or, uh, you know, possibly looking at a, at a holdout. So, uh, you know, that's the other part of the equation. Uh, and, you know, it, it is uh, – it's a lot, though, for Seahawks fans because, you know, th- this team has an identity or and, and a vibe that is, you know, pretty unique and pretty cool. And – uh, you know, we've seen Russell Wilson be transcendent, but it, it's an awful lot to ask for him to do that on the fly uh, and for uh, John and Pete to go find the next Richard Sherman and, and those people in the draft. Now, I do believe that they have more than outsiders tend to, you know, tend to tend to think. I, you know, Frank Clark's a really good player. Chris Carson could be a a stud, uh, you know, Shaq Griffin turned out to be a really, really good player. I, I think there are guys there that have either flashed or are on the verge of flashing that may end up giving them a chance to be more competitive on the fly. I'm seeing some news, too, that uh, speaking of the Hawks, and then I want to move on to a couple other thoughts, that uh, that they're sniffing around, kicking the tires on Colin Kaepernick. That's been another story we've talked about up here. I, I, have, have you heard I mean, Clearly, they're going to be in need of a backup quarterback, and I'm not sure if there's talent-wise anybody out there that, that fills that role better than him, but obviously there's a lot of baggage. What would uh, what would that situation look like, and how likely is it, do you think? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, stylistically, he can do some of the things that, that Russell does, and you want your backup to mirror your starter. Uh, you know, obviously, you have a a city, a fan base, and a, a locker room, and a head coach who are uh, much more woke, as the young people say, than the average person. So it, it is a it is a good fit for him. You know, Paul Allen. Uh, you know, if any owner is going to uh, be the maverick among his peers, who you know seem collectively to uh, be, you know, turning their turning their noses at the idea of Kaepernick playing. You know, the guy who is the richest and, uh, you know, has one of the greatest legacies is probably a good candidate. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I know they thought about it last year. It didn't happen. Um, there is a collusion case. The not the most important collusion case in our country right now, but uh, there is one out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's I, I think there's a sense out there that once, Kaepernick filed that lawsuit. Well, now he's never going to get a job, and I, you know, which is funny because it's like if you accuse us of collusion, we'll <laughs> definitely in coordination deny you employment. So I don't know. I I, I would like for I would like for both collusion uh, cases to be resolved. Uh, hopefully, this one 
amicably by Kaepernick uh, getting a job at the Seahawks would be a perfect spot. And uh, the other one, well, people can use their imagination. The, uh, uh, Mike Silver of NFL Network is our guest. You mentioned Harvey Wallbanger earlier. Is he going to be happy he made this move or unhappy? I, I thought he was kind of walking down John Madden Road. I don't think he was as good as Madden in the booth, but he was pretty good. And he was entertaining, and ESPN had built some cool things for him. And I'm thinking, this guy's got it figured out. Why go back to the rat race that is coaching? Stay in broadcasting. We've ascertained it's an easy way to earn a buck. Yeah, but the pull well, gets him back in, and he's back in Oakland. Now, how's that going to work out? First of all, I'm so happy he's back, selfishly. Uh, and listen, remember Dick Vermeil left because of burnout and was gone like 17 years at the best college job. He came back twice. Right, so right. I think coaches coaches are coaches. They're they're all crazy and they all uh, you know they all miss it on some level. And they like money. And let's not you know let's not neglect how much John got paid. Right. Uh, but um, you ask how he's doing. Well. Um, I would I would put it this way, uh, the honeymoon stage, the warm and fuzzy uh, back at Oakland stage is definitely over. He is now in what I would call the I hate everything, everything sucks stage, and uh, <laughs> you know he hates the new rules. He couldn't be with his players. He hates uh, you know he hates everything. He hates uh, uh, you know just basically everything is bad. So he will he will rebound from that. But uh, right now he's grumpy and eager to get going and and do some actual coaching and uh this is a big draft for them because you know they they had a lot of high picks that you know fell to them that they hit on to their credit with Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper but they also you know has have had some misses and the last couple of drafts haven't been great uh they did get a quarterback in Derek Carr you know up at the top of the second round which was huge but um, you know, John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie need to, to nail this one. And, uh, you know, a team that going into last season looked like a, a real contender now seems to have some, some obvious holes on the roster. How do you think the Odell Beckham Jr. saga ends during the offseason here? Is he going to stay put or be somewhere else? Well, that's a great question. I don't think anyone's given two number one draft picks for the guy. So if that's the the only way the Giants trade him, then I think he'll stay. But I also think after what he went through last year, he you know he understandably doesn't want to just come in and and play without a new deal. Uh, you know there seems to be some wavering on the commitment uh, end from the Giants, and then you've got a GM Dave Gettleman who famously spent a lot of time in Carolina trying to convince the outside world what a tough guy he was and made some curious moves. Uh, you know, the Josh Norman, the decision to tag Josh Norman and then rescind it suddenly when he didn't like the way negotiations were going and, and make him a free agent, uh, that messed up a Super Bowl team. That was a team that had gone to the Super Bowl as, as favorites, and the next year uh, couldn't cover anybody, and their best corner was gone for free. In in other words, if you just don't want to pay Josh Norman, uh, don't be an idiot and tag him and then rescind the tag when you're angry and talk about how tough you are. Uh, quietly work out a trade and get something for him, uh, you know, or be prepared to tag him and stare him down and, and see what happens in that season. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe Dave Gettleman will be better the second time around, but sometimes acting tough publicly, uh, again, some parallels to uh, our larger world right now, but sometimes acting tough publicly is not the end game. Uh, you know, you don't see John Schneider uh, beating his chest and <laughs> talking about how, you know, agents or agents know that he's going to deal with them in a severe way or, 
you don't see him just making haphazard moves that seem emotional, uh, but he may be the best GM in the business. And, uh, you know, if you, if you got into our world and the people who actually do personnel and know these things, he would be uh, a rock star. Hey, finally, how do you think your childhood pal, Steve Kerr, is going to fare in the upcoming postseason? Interesting that they have, you know, for the first time in a couple of years, a few questions around him, a lot of doubters around him. How's that going to work out? I've been really disappointed so far with, uh, you know, because it's not just my childhood friend, it's my childhood team. And we grew up in L.A., and he, like all my friends, gave me grief my entire childhood about my NorCal uh, preferences, including the Warriors. So he understands, uh, you know, how freakish this is for me uh, that, uh, you know, my buddy who knows that I love my childhood team that was downtrodden came in and has won like 99% of his games since. So, uh, you know, listen, uh, I think they will be super prepared. Uh, You know, obviously if Steph Curry can get back to health, and they can win a series without him, hopefully, um, they'll be in a really good position. And, uh, you know, I, I could sit here and pick apart what's gone on recently or, or be a little bummed, but every time I, I turn on the TV or go to a game, I see Kevin Durant, and I just go, how the heck could I be rooting for a team that has that guy on it, let alone <laughs> Steph Curry? So uh, I, I, have a lot, I have a lot of faith in that guy, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and the guy coaching him. Uh, as I've told you before, and I'm, I'm seeing a disturbing trend right now, I, I want you to lay off all the mayonnaise talk because I follow you on Twitter for one thing. Stick to politics, okay? Stay out of mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm tired of that. Crap. Well, but, yeah, but, you know, I, I do, as I just said on Twitter, I do need to entertain my, my buddy who is preparing to coach. and I know he, he's true. a big fan of the, of the mayonnaise overkill. So, uh, you know, he may not be tweeting a whole lot, but he, he's, he's definitely getting a few laughs on it. Best to you, you and, and the whole Silver Brood down there, Mike, and great to, to talk to you again. Thanks for all the time. Uh, maybe I'll see you in August. I hear there's a big old stadium show up there, or a couple of them I'm going to try to get to. Well, if you're coming up, let me know, and you definitely will see me. Can't wait. Thanks, boss. Mike Silver from the NFL Network. He was heating up there the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, as only he can, and we thank Mike uh, for the time. As always, from the NFL Network, I think he's at Mike Silver on Twitter. If you want to be entertained... Uh, follow him on Twitter and, and prepare if you lash out at him to be blocked uh, during one of his legendary block parties. We will continue. Curtis Crabtree at 11 o'clock this morning. Lunch with listeners at noon. How you feeling about the M's? Bullish, bearish, or hold the stock? You can vote at Gasman206, and we'll talk about it today during Lunch with Listeners. If there's no-